welcome to Video Game Book Club for June 2018. I'm Brian Skersha. I'm Josh Galecki. And I'm Clint Jones. And this month we're talking about West of Loathing from Asymmetric Productions, a uh, first foray into the single-player genre by this studio that is previously known for Kingdom of Loathing, a game with which I have no experience. I've played that game a little bit myself. I'd say in the spirit it was very similar to this game too, kind of like an online MMORPG with text-based and heavy on the puns. And it is heavy on the puns. Um, all in all, I think this this is more of, I wouldn't even really categorize it as an RPG so much as like a, a pun generator. <laughs> Not a bad way to describe it. Yeah, so um, I guess first things first, uh, the only reason I really wanted to play this game slash suggested it is because I tangentially follow these developers through their video games podcast, Video Games Hot Dog which is super unknown, pretty under the radar, but they always have pretty interesting discussions about games. So I was aware of them before I was aware of even Kingdom of Loathing and this game also. Surprise, they make games. <laughs> yeah, it was a nice surprise, actually. And they're like, yeah, our new game's coming out. I was like, game? Cool. <laughs> <laughs> so how long? do you know how long they've been in business for? Uh, so as I understand it, Asymmetric has been doing Kingdom of Loathing for... A long time like I think it's on the order of a decade or something like that yeah I remember I checked it out back in college and that was not very recently <laughs> yeah the crazy thing is is that is still actually keeping them like that's their main business as I understand it that's like been keeping their their company going this whole time and then they were like well it's slowly trickling off we need to pivot um, and I think <laughs> I was reading an interesting article in Glixel, that's like Rolling Stone's video games outlet. Basically, they saw um, the guys that did Fall in London do Sunless Sea, and it was like, all right, we took our formula, we turned it into a single-player RPG, and it made some good money and was successful. And like, shit, we can do that. And so they did. <laughs> not bad, not bad. Well, before we get into the plot high-level summaries, I want to get everyone's feedback on the game. Thumbs up or thumbs down? Hmm. Uh, Clint, I'll let you go first. Oh man, I'm gonna have the contrarian opinion too. Uh oh. Uh, <laughs> uh, I did not like this game, believe it or not, and I couldn't believe it because I was looking at the reviews online. I think there's like one guy on Steam that agreed with me. <laughs> well, to give us, I guess maybe we'll get more into it. But do you have like a high level summary of like what rubbed you the wrong way? Sure. Uh, well, actually, I ran into some technical difficulties, which I think made it worse. I felt like the jokes were good, but there wasn't enough substance on any of the other mechanics or pieces to really carry it past that and the eight hour playtime that's just too long for for what it was uh, i actually had technical issues uh, the battle system was a little broken on my game i'll talk more about that later but it, mm. it kind of it's hard to have fun when things aren't working and and, and it just wasn't for me uh, for me i'd go thumbs up but with a caveat that I would have enjoyed it just as much, maybe even more, if it was maybe four hours instead of eight. I'm going to agree with you, Josh. Like, there's a lot in this game I like. I think the writing uh, is good in a way that most game writing isn't good. Um, but I think it could have benefited a lot for, like you said, one, being shorter, but two, maybe allowing combat to be optional. There just wasn't enough with the combat for how much of it they forced on the player, in my opinion. Ah, maybe that's right. But uh, we'll get on to the plot summary next. 
Um, but before we do, of course, we have the spoiler warning. We're going to be revealing all the best puns that the game gave out. Uh, <laughs> so if you want to experience those yourself, then pause the podcast, go spend eight hours, and then you can listen to us again. Yeah, or just get as many of the puns as you want, I guess, and then then check out. <laughs> but yeah, I guess in terms of plot, um, you know, this game followed a pretty basic structure, from my opinion. You know, you start off in sort of a training prologue, uh, and it's sort of split into three acts after that. You know, part one in the railway camp, part two in Bread Breadwood, and part three in in Frisco is sort of how I delineated it in my mind, at least. The railroad was kind of like the barrier to get to the next area. Yeah, I think overall, I mean, <clears throat> if we're looking at sort of how they laid out the plot and how you, you came across it, I liked the mechanism they used for it in which, you know, they send you off in a direction, but then you just sort of randomly encounter new areas that, as far as I understand it, are completely random in which order you come upon them. And that sort of just pulls you off on little side quests, interesting things, and that's where they, they get a chance to sort of flex their writing muscles by making areas with interesting sort of punny conceits. Well, myself, I thought the plot in this game was not very strong. <laughs> like, uh, I remember at the end of the game, they talked about, oh, this was your motivation for this entire game. This is what you said you'd do. And I've completely forgot about that discussion you had at the very <laughs> beginning with your brother. And I felt like that wasn't really... Like, there, there wasn't a really strong sense of what you're trying to do out there, or it never really called back to that decision except one little thing at the end credits. Otherwise, you just kind of follow random quests around until you went through them all or ran out of quests to go through. I completely agree. I mean, as far as, like, having a, a through-line plot, like... Uh, I, I don't think that's necessarily what they set out to do, so I'm not going to bag them too hard for it. But yeah, I mean, the main quest is like, it's tangential at best. Um, this game plays like I play Skyrim, which is I, I go in with noble intentions of following a specific path, and then I just sort of veer off an adventure wherever the hell I please. And that's sort of how this <laughs> game, you know, unraveled for me as well. And never finish. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's pretty much just just go west. It was Oregon Trail. There's no reason just just start heading west. Mhm. Mm yeah, like the, the gating, like the the way that Josh was talking about with the railroad, just sort of tends to keep you on the straight and narrow, relatively. But there's not like there's nothing pulling you forward. Like I I I agree that the plot wasn't something that was driving me through this game, like it was in some of our other you know, things we've discussed, but I don't think it was trying to be, and that's, I'm going to give it the benefit of the doubt for that. I don't even feel like the different areas you end up in really have much to do with each other. They're all their own little solitary joke factories. You you show up mm -hmm. at, like, like the Dave Yard graveyard where everybody was named Dave. If, 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 you, <laughs> if, if you look at all the, all, all the gravestones, just, just little things like that. I think with the plot, too, um, they actually kind of built these plot lines and secondary storylines that they never really circle back to. I guess there are things you can do as a secondary thing, but like the cows coming home, that was a big event, and there's like cows coming from Hellgate dimensions, and uh, there's these clowns coming around, or there's these cultists here and there, and this weird El Vibrato tech alien technology you can find, and... I expected one of those to be kind of like the main plot, if you will. Like you, um, 
you go, you're starting to go west and then you uncover these mysteries and you dig into the mysteries and there's some resolution to that. But instead it's just like, oh, you get to Frisco and you're done. This, I didn't even realize I finished the game when I walked into the movie theater. So, yeah, <laughs> I mean, the the ending cinema thing was kind of funny in itself. <laughs> when they, they, like, basically laid it out, it's like, well, you got here. One of the guys on the train's a projectionist, so you can view the final cutscene whenever you want. <laughs> I thought that was good. But, no, I agree. There's those overarching things, the vibrato, the cows, the necromancy, the clowns. Like, if they would have found a way to maybe interweave those into the main story in one way or another, like maybe... I don't know, you just make the world a little more cohesive rather than just like Clint said, joke factory or some somewhat more complex joke factory being your two options. Who did you travel with? Because I think that does change a little bit of that. So I traveled with, I think her name was Susie, like her family had been murdered by cows. So every time we got to a new area, she would always be upset and wanting to go to the other farms to help murder these hell cows. So there was yep. a little bit of of, of uh, tie-in depending on who you went with. Did you guys all have her as your companion, or did you get somebody else? I went with the crazy miner guy, and okay. he talked a little bit about the mines, but yeah, I'd expect that to go more into the cultist kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. So I uh, I, fir- I actually have done one and a half playthroughs as of our our recording, and the first playthrough I got the doctor. And she was real big on killing skeletons and the occult, the necromancer people. And then I second one, I had Susie, the one that you had, uh, who was big on killing cows. Yeah. What was your favorite, yeah. uh, like, uh, individual area? Do you guys have one that stuck out to you? Oh, man. I think I need to look at, like, a list or something. Um, <laughs> the one, I think the favorite one that stink- stands out to me is the blood and breakfast. No, that was know. mine. That was mine. Chuck's <laughs> blood and breakfast. I wanted to kill that guy the whole time, and then I felt terrible when I went outside, and the postman was like, yeah, he's actually a super great guy. <laughs> yeah, no, that was really good. They definitely, like, I always like when they sub- when things are subverted like that. I think that was, like, probably the best, the best one. Yeah. Um, Oh, and at least the best one I came across. Uh, I liked how much of the puns revolved around alcohol. Maybe that's just because I like alcohol. But, like, the strategic okay. yeast reserves in Breadwood. Um, and you had to go up to, like, the old Schlitz Brewery or whatever to retrieve it. Like, there's just a bunch of silly stuff around that that I, I don't know, I enjoyed. Um, I'm trying to think of what some other ones that I enjoyed were. Um... Uh, oh, the fact that when you first show up in Breadwood, like, it's so shitty that even the, the horses are drunk. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty funny. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we were just going over a couple of our favorite areas. Josh, not sure if you had a specific one, but we can always uh, move on down to. I like the circus with the clowns. I never actually figured out how to get into the big tent to meet the boss clown guy, but... Um, I mean, the clowns were really random, and, you know, they were thrown in there because, ooh, clowns, scary. Uh, but I think they had a good time with that. Like, they, it was an interesting area. You got the creepy sense of these clowns are creepy. <laughs> <laughs> creepy clowns are creepy. I agree. You heard it here first. <laughs> <laughs> so, as we sort of pivot into mechanical discussion, what did you guys actually play the game as? Like, what, what class did you go with? I went snake oil uh, salesman. I figured doing some like uh, 
with the way the game was, I played some Kingdom of Loathing, so I knew the puns would be fast and furious and the combat wouldn't be as important um, to just kind of puns. So you could come playing a smooth talker, I thought it would be some, a good option. That's a good point. I was uh, initially, I, I finished my playthrough as a cow puncher, and then I started my second playthrough as a bean slinger. I did the cow puncher as well. I figured it'd be your standard, whatever, warrior Fighter. class. E e mm -hmm. Easy enough to get into. Yeah. I actually found the bean slinger to be more powerful. Like, if you just buffed your sort of spell casting things, you can pretty much just cannon everything to death. Since we're talking about this specific thing, this is where I ran into my problem, and I couldn't figure it out to save my life. Uh, about four hours into the game, I couldn't figure out why my character wasn't causing any damage. Some, I don't know if it was a bug or a buff that I couldn't find when I went through, but throughout the whole game, my character couldn't cause any more damage than, than one HP on any enemy. My uh, my companion Susie was doing like 35, 40 damage every what the hell? Every, every hit and 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 my guy regardless of gun or knife or, or whatever and i've even upgraded uh the equipment multiple times um jesus one That's hp weird so that was really hard to get through the game and it, the combat <laughs> already felt unnecessary enough it became like a major detractor i ended up having to buy like boatloads of dynamite and just chuck dynamite chuck dynamite dynamite the whole time it's the only way i could get through combat Something's definitely wrong there. Yeah, yeah. that sucks. I feel kind of bad that that, uh, that happened for you, but uh, that's a bummer. Um, I feel that dynamite's hmm. an interesting thing, too, talking about the combat system. Fairly simple combat system. But that was an interesting idea that they could give you unlimited item usage per turn. You could chuck as much dynamite as you wanted to as a person. And in essence, that means that no enemy is unbeatable. Every enemy could be beaten in the first round. Yeah, yeah. I, I threw 25 sticks of dynamite to get through the the, the, the first boss battle. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I killed him in two hits with my uh, my bean magic. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's wild. Yeah. I, you know, it's funny. Like, it, as bad as like that, I mean, you know, I think we're, we all agree that combat leaves a little bit to be desired. It's not like terribly tactical. Um, I've always found it much more satisfying when I can avoid a piece of combat just by having like the stat that allowed me to bypass it. Mm -hmm. um, but I do enjoy a couple things about the way they structured the combat um, mechanically in that like every stat that you have in combat that affects things in combat also has a use outside of combat. Basically, the idea that these stats all affect multiple things in your playthrough uh, is good and reminds me of Take a Drink, Dark Souls. Did you let it auto-level you, or were you doing your own? I was doing my own, because I, I, uh, I didn't, I kind of neglected a few stats, just because I knew, like, with, a, at least on my second playthrough, on my first playthrough, I switched off auto-leveling about halfway through, because I got a feel for what was, you know, what was important, what wasn't. On the second playthrough, I just did it myself the whole way. Yeah, I don't know. The whole, uh, the whole thing, though, I, I guess... I, I do wish that there was a little bit more to that combat. I'm, I'm wondering, like, how they could have done it, and I'm thinking maybe, like, adding some sort of movement mechanic or, I don't know, making it a little just... a little more fun. <laughs> it just it just wasn't, like, super engaging to me, the combat. Yeah, at least as the snake oil salesman. Like, I, had the, I was packing the super-powered pistol and all that, but for me, there wasn't a lot of strategic choice. Like, my best 
thing to do nine times out of ten would be to just shoot. And then if it was too tough to just shoot, then I poison, throw poison at them and throw dynamite at them until they're weaker, and then I shoot them. Like the um, there wasn't a lot of call it like resources to be managed or useful mm-hmm. skills. You know, now that I'm thinking about it, there were a couple of useful skills um, for the snake oil salesman, but for the most part, combat was so straightforward that I wasn't making any choices during it. I kind of agree. Like, once I found, like, <laughs> I could basically determine as soon as I saw an enemy's HP whether I would win or not, um, just because I could I could count on being able to do somewhere between, like, 100 and 140 damage without them going, just because of, like, a, you know, I could hit them, have my partner stun them, hit them again, then have my partner hit them, and that would do somewhere between 100 150 damage. And if I had more than that, they would hit me and kill me because I had no HP. <laughs> One of the things I think they did and did good in this was when you die in combat, you pass out and you wake up at the beginning of the level and you actually get a little buff to yourself and then Mm -hmm. if you pass out too many times then you lose all your buffs and you wake up back at the end, but for this game I felt that fit well. I agree. It wasn't a very punishing thing if you died, but I don't know, Clint, you're the one who had to go through punching people at one HP. It, it was hard because if your main character dies, uh, regardless of, of your companion, the fight is over. So I just had to hope that they would hit her and not me. But if they hit her and killed her, then I could do no damage. It was <laughs> it was a bad catch-22. Boy, that does kind of suck. Um, Clint, did you remember to level up? I just have to ask. <laughs> oh, n- n- guys, I actually spent like 20 minutes searching through the character sheet to try to find any like random stat debuff that or or anything that that could have caused that and i couldn't find anything yeah i i i have a feeling this is on the game like we've all played enough games to know when something is just wrong yeah Mm -hmm. yeah that'll happen i mean that sucks though that's a bummer that that would ruin at least like the good portions of this game which you know like we said writing right but yeah Anyway, I think <laughs> overall, I know we, we wanted to talk a little bit about like the overall themes. Generally speaking, this is where we, we tend to look at, at symbols and stuff like that. This game, in my opinion, it wasn't it wasn't really trying to go really deep. It was trying to make the player laugh, which I think was good. Mm-hmm. Um, Humor was it, the uh, best part of the game, for sure. Yeah, the, basically the, the goal here, in my opinion, was to, to dunk on Wild West cliches, the West in general, the idea of, you know, westerns and i think they were pretty successful in doing that they dunked down things they made fun of things they told jokes about things mm-hmm. yeah said it got what they set out to do agreed um i read a uh, an interesting uh, thing about how they they approached this given sort of the past of like kol and uh in that same interview i was talking about uh zach johnson the, the director slash sort of lead guy for asymmetric said I guess this is slightly controversial, but I've always thought the West was a valid setting for fantasy, uh, just as much as the usual medieval fantasy pastiche. There's treasure, there's established technology, there's good and evil. To me, it was about doing fantasy with a different setting, different themes and vocabulary. Hmm. I suppose there's something to be said for that. I mean, like, uh, Star Wars is famous for being, like, fantasy in space as opposed to science fiction. Yeah, right. That's a good example of how that stuff can work. Agreed. I, I think I think it's good, and you know we don't see a ton of stuff in in Western. I feel like Westerns are starting to have a little bit of a 
a resurgence with like Westworld and Red Dead came out a few years back and now it's finally got a ton of cultural cachet. They've got a big sequel coming out in a year or two. Oh, no kidding. Huh. Yeah. That'll be interesting. That's easily my favorite Rockstar game. I think we're seeing it in October, actually. Holy shit, already? Yeah. Jesus. Is it coming out, like, multi-platform? Will it be on PC? No, they're only doing PS4 and Xbox, I think, right now, so. God damn it. Might have to buy a PS4. I've been saying this for months. Guys, you, gotta bite you the gotta bullet. play God of War anyway, <laughs> so you might as well bite yeah, the bullet. Yeah, That's true. We gotta talk about Steam sale games to pick up, but we'll we'll pick that up later. Yeah. At any rate, I think it's about time we pivot into a three-word review. Um, so, yeah, time for three-word reviews, uh, West of Loathing, uh, who has one? Who wants to go first? I'll go with mine first. I got puns for plot because there was <laughs> not a lot of plot and there was a lot of puns. And it seems like the whatever minimal plot, plot there was, it was mostly just leading you to more puns. That was the treasure under the rock that you uncovered. It wasn't friendship. It was puns. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. I, I always think about, like, um, what's your reward for continuing to play a game? Like an RPG, like something like a, a Witcher, like the reward is always just more game. Um, with this game, the reward is to more puns. <laughs> I just had MS Paint Oregon Trail. I just felt like this was <laughs> <laughs> pretty much just go west, don't die. That's pretty good. I had uh, I had puns, guns, and fun. Um, nice. I, ha I actually did have fun with this game. I enjoyed the puns. Um, I thought the puns, guns, fun. Sorry, no and for the the purists in here, but um, I enjoyed I enjoyed this game. Like I, I didn't have any mechanical issues with it. I thought, generally speaking, the RPG advancement was enough to to hook me and keep me moving forward. But I overall, you know, just think there was a little bit more that could have been had with that that combat. I'm I'm overall I'm happy with it. I had a good time. I enjoyed what they were trying to do before I got bogged down, for sure. <laughs> yeah, I think that might have negatively impacted your experience. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, do we want to talk about uh, what's coming up next? What's coming up next? I think we got a two-for-one special. If By two-for-one, we mean over two months. But we're doing a kind of compare and contrast. July will be Minecraft, and then come August, Dwarf Fortress one of the major inspirations for the game. So we will be digging a lot of tunnels these next two months. Yeah, Josh, I think I, I know I need your help with Dwarf Fortress. Clint, I think I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to suggest you join as well because I tried diving into Dwarf Fortress. It was a little impenetrable. Yeah, it's I'm less actually of a learning <laughs> curve and more of a learning cliff. <laughs> Just fall <laughs> off and see what happens. Yeah, well, yeah. you know, yeah, one of the philosophies of that game is that you're going to lose your fortress 20 times on the way to learning how to play. Hmm. Losing is fun. As long as it's interesting. I guess that's where I'll go. Mm -hmm. um, I'm excited for Minecraft, actually. I, as much of a gamer as I am, I have not played hardly any Minecraft. Well, you're in luck. Um, we just got I, the server started up tonight. Yeah, I started right. up a server this afternoon. At any rate, let's go ahead and, and close this bad boy out. Uh Thanks for listening to Video Game Book Club for June 2018. Uh, we'll see you next month for Minecraft. This is Brian Skersha. Josh Galecki. And Clint Jones. Signing off. See ya. Mm -hmm.